Hey there, podcast listeners. Omar here, editor of The Yards, host of the show. Today's episode is a conversation with Brad Ferguson recorded at the Yellowhead Brewery on September 1st. Brad is president of Edmonton Economic Development Corporation, and he's really emphasized downtown events and development as part of the city's economic engine. You won't want to miss the conversation. Just a quick thanks to Urban Systems Limited. They organized this as part of their Vibrant Community Speaker Series, and we're really grateful that they let us record it and put it on the podcast. Now, for the conversation. Please join me in welcoming Brad Ferguson and Omar Muallam. Thanks, Urban Systems, for organizing these talks. And thank you all for coming out. Now, Brad, my first impression of you was, I think, a little bit of a firebrand. And and that's because shortly after you took the CEO role, you were asked to put Edmonton on the reputation-o-meter. And you gave it a 1.5 out of 10. So, three years later, almost to the month, what's the score? That was funny. Uh, Shame on you for remembering that, first of all. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I used my cognitive powers. I was, I was in front of city council, and Amarzeet Sohi said, uh, Mr. Ferguson, uh, what would you, how would you rank our brand? And I kind of went through the political thing, which is, you know, do I give it a 10, you know, because that's what he wants to hear, or do I give it to him what I think it is? And I said, I said 1.5, and he looked at me and he said, why not 2? <laughs> And I, uh, I said, uh, because I think that would be overambitious, Amarjeet. Um, <laughs> well, what, what was the extra 0.5 for? Was that for our green onion cakes? Like, what, what got yeah, that? I, th- <laughs> I thought there were parts of the city that maybe I hadn't really explored yet. So okay. I, I didn't want to, like, downplay anybody. <laughs> but, you know, it was a, uh, you know, it was a really interesting conversation. And uh, at that point in time, which is about three years ago, we really hadn't uh, found the momentum and found the the energy and that rhythm and that pulse that I think a lot of people are feeling today. And you ask, you know, what is it out of 10 today? I'd say it's only a three. I think we've got a long way to go. But we've also been 100% more improvement than where we were three years ago. And I think that's a, a kudos to a lot of the kind of the community building activities that have gone on in the city, not just the big screens in the sky, but uh, there, there's a, so much more community and civic engagement than it was three years ago that I, I would give it 100% improvement over where we were. So what about the big cranes in the sky? Like that, that is an indication of the downtown revitalization, for lack of a better term. Um, what role does the downtown revitalization play in the improvement of Edmonton's uh, global reputation? You know, it's very visible. It's, it's a lot of steel and a lot of you know, beautiful buildings that are, I think the world and certainly parts of Canada are starting to wake up and say, why is there $5.5 billion of construction going on in this, you know, really this, this city that is geographically quite remote? A lot of people don't know a lot of things about us, and uh, they're, so they're intrigued. So it gets people's attention. Um, it, for Edmontonians, it raises self-esteem. And they say, you know, for years we've just battled this hor- horrific downtown parking lots 15, 20 years ago to, you know, not necessarily having a full plan to really some parts of downtown really coming to life and, uh, and capturing the imaginations of, uh, of people. So I think it plays a huge role. Um, I don't think we're there yet at all. I think uh, the, the, the steel is the easy part. 
it's the stuff in between that's going to be some of the magic that happens over right because we've had this deal before that's what the 70s were all about and the 60s as well right we've we've had this many cranes in the sky if not more yeah i think 1976 was the start of the you know the last really big boom to about 81 82 and that didn't necessarily turn out great for edmonton's downtown in the long term so how can we do it right this time well, a lot of things did go well during that period. Uh, Commerce Place was the last building to be built, and what happened was uh, that was not based on net new demand. All the government went into Commerce Place, and it glutted all the B and C class office place. So what happened was that was the last building to be built, and uh, and we sat for 15 years trying to get rents back up as the B and C class buildings, you know, suffered for quite a while. And now, now they've had a good run, and we may be dangerously close to doing it again. Hmm. And I think that'll be one of the interesting things we, we determine and look at over the next four or five years. That's what everybody loves to hear. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it to you, Frank. Yeah, no, gonna... thank you for giving it to us, Frank. <laughs> I mean, you just uh, gave me one free beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. It is the good people at Urban Systems. Um, so so in, in speaking about downtown's role and the reputation, uh, Growing up in, in Alberta, in northern Alberta, Edmonton was such a magical place to me. But uh, that was because the reputation hinged on other things like Wayne Gretzky, the championship games, West Edmonton Mall. Our father's generations uh, were probably drawn to the city because it was fast-growing, because it was uh, a promising place uh, career-wise, in spite of its lazy downtown. So what what has changed in the world to make millions of dollars investment in downtown and downtown itself so vital to the city's image or to a city any city's image well i think we're unique here um so i have to separate us from a lot of other cities you know what's changed and it's interesting is you've got huge global demand for energy food fiber water you know healthcare, education the things that we have here and uh you know, we wouldn't be building the stuff downtown without just this massive global demand, whether it, whether it starts in three years from now, whether it starts in 30 years from now or 60 years. It, uh, it is a force in the world today, and there's only so many places. I think there's like six countries in the world that are net producers and net exporters of agricultural products. We're one of them right here in Alberta, not just Canada, just Western Canada. And, you know, that's the agricultural side, the energy side, all those things. That's That's what's drawn so much international investment here interest here and people but you know back in the 70s people came here for opportunity yeah people are coming here today for opportunity it's not because there's mountains not because there's ocean or anything like that people come here for opportunities and we continue to provide that here and it's kind of one of the neat things about this city it's hard working hard playing and uh for a young person 18 to 36 that moves here or with their family or wife or kids or whatever uh there's a lot of opportunity for people to move ahead so is improving the core is revitalizing the core more of a question of how to keep people here how to keep edmonton from being more than just an an atm machine where you come you get your cash and then you're off to the next destination uh so i think i think it's backwards i think Mm. uh i think people come here and then the core develops as a result People don't come here because of the core. Mm-hmm. It's uh, people have come here for opportunity and to have influence on their community. Those are the two big things. Um, and as a result, that 18 to 36-year-old cohort moves here in droves. They want to live downtown. They don't want to necessarily own 
cars and a whole bunch of fixed assets. They want to live close to where they work. They want to LRT it. They want to bike or whatever it happens to be. And that starts to densify the downtown core. And, uh, and uh, companies that want to locate or that are here, even they're out of the burbs, they're starting to want to locate downtown because they want to be closer. It to It sounds people. like essentially it's about competing for talent. It's all about talent. Like, we, you know, one of the, the funny things people say, you know, why don't we go attract Google here? I'm like, well, I could spend all your tax money, and I can go out and try to get Google here. It's never going to happen. But if we can bring the talent here, start a couple of little really good IT companies that, you know, are into search or whatever it happens to be, then Google looks at us and go, you know, there's a lot of talent there. We're going to go acquire some of those. We're going to build a base, and that's how you get Google here. It's not, mm-hmm. the other, it's not that traditional way of economic development. And really, I call it waste of taxpayers' money for years and years. People going around the world trying to attract all these big companies here it doesn't work that way it's all about talent so that's so that's business and so that's that's uh economics but what about festivals we are festival city what about the events that we that we hold in downtown what role do they play in the revitalization and and vice versa what what role does the revitalization play in attracting uh large-scale events to to the city you were a big booster of the Red Bull Crashed Ice event. Maybe we can use that as a bit of an example. Yeah, well, that was a that was a good one. Um, that was a good party. Was about, that was a good party. It was like six months ago. So about six months ago. So it was about uh, in the middle of March, and we needed a a big winter event that was that again eighteen to thirty six year old. It's a little extreme sport. It's a little untraditional. We needed people to come in and interact with their downtown, interact with their city, and just do something pretty unique. So, you know, compliments to the city of Edmonton. We collectively, us and, like, our tourism department and them, they went out and they got it and they attracted it. And they have 100,000 people in the downtown core, you know, on one night. 70,000 below the river bank, uh, 20,000 on Jasper Avenue, and 5,000 in Churchill Square. And it was it was fantastic, you know. And those those things allow people to interact with their city. They, it, you get emotionally connected with your city. It's fun. Your city's taking a risk. You're doing some fun things. They're going out. They're spending money in the bars and the restaurants and, uh, and interacting with other Edmontonians, and that's what creates a energy in a city that you really can't put a quantitative measure on. It's just this thing you feel when you have it, and you feel it when you don't have it. And so festivals do a couple things. They allow us to program that downtown core, our river valley, and allows Edmontonians to interact. But our catchment area is Grand Prairie, Fort McMurray, Fort St. John, Lacombe, Red Deer, you know, Regina, Saskatoon. And what we want is we're not an international destination, but we're a great regional destination. So 52 weeks a year, we want people coming here, spending money, staying in hotels, partying with friends, all that kind of thing. So those festivals and events are what we call kind of 52 fish hooks. Mm-hmm. And because you need lures, you need things to bring people here uh, for they can spend money and stimulate the economy and experience Edmonton and maybe they move here someday. What what will it take then to attract another event of that magnitude? I mean, 100,000 people in downtown for a weekend like that and then televised around the world as well. That's, that's, that's huge. Um, but it was only a weekend. So how do we build off of that? And how do we, how do, we do that again? Well, hopefully, first of all, it's not a one-time event. It's not a one-trick pony. So it goes back to Quebec City, and then hopefully we have it for some successive years after. But 
there are other events that we need to go after and what makes us or allows us to win and we win by what the way probably three times more than any other city in canada for those things that we go out and bid on what do you mean we win three we, times more? well it's competitive yeah you you know you have to you have to put a proposal together you have to get the community aligned you have to have your organizing committees you have to have a great tourism group you have to have a great you know facilities like conference centers or downtown arenas or whatever they happen to be and then you put that package together and you go propose something in order for you attract these groups to come here and put on their event and you're saying edmonton has a higher success rate we've been incredibly successful why because uh the mayor's office our organization uh the airport the chamber uh the community groups we've all been aligned in these pursuits and that unified voice and that that force as we push forward has been wildly successful for us you start breaking up that group and it gets political sometimes and it gets territorial sometimes what other cities experience you can't put a unified voice forward and if you're the organizing group like red bull or whatever you see through that Mm. and you're like i'm not going to go there because they don't have their act together and i'm not sure i'm going to get the organizing committee and i'm not sure i'm going to get all the local hockey teams and things like that coming together but edmonton has been so successful operating as a unit and if if we keep that momentum going we've got it we've got a great five ten year run ahead of us i mean it's easy to think of the the ones that have been unsuccessful like the commonwealth games um the 2017 expo uh what are the examples of the of the more successful bids that we've made would the the winter cities international winter cities conference be an example of that you know if we go back in history uh you know the world uh the 2001 world track and field championship was you know a great success here a lot of people don't remember that a lot of there's a lot of new edmontonians i think Was, was that when the uk media coined us Edmonton. that's exactly right that was exactly it okay yeah Yeah. very memorable for you obviously i see yeah uh, i was (laughs) i was thinking of other things but um you know and then about 2005 2006 uh the world masters games and again i'm not sure if everybody remembers it but the world's masters games actually pound for pound was probably one of the biggest events we've ever had because you take these kind of weekend warrior athletes from every country in the world they all descend here they all come with family and friends and they eat and they drink and they stay in hotels and they, they go to all the, all the different people's events. That is probably the biggest economic impact we could ask for out of an event versus like a Commonwealth Games, which is very prestigious. It gets our name out there. It's very good for international media. But the athletes come. They're, they're too damn serious sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and there isn't the real economic impact that comes out of it. I'd rather have, like, I think next summer is the Gay and Lesbian Aquatic Games. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a fantastic event because they all come. They're going to have a great time. And we're hosting that. We're hosting that. Really? It's, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, bars and restaurants will be full. People are going to go out and they're going to watch the event, but the athletes themselves become part of the economic drivers. And I really like those type of events. That's, and the Red Bull one's a good example of that as well. That, that's, that's awesome. But I, I wonder if there are any municipal uh, policies, bylaws related to land use or planning maybe. Um, are, there, are there barriers within that realm? Um, barriers to, to bringing events to downtown? And, and is there any way that we can improve on those? You know, I'd say not a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. The city is really good to work with. Um, When it comes to events and how we organize around it, 
Uh, we hear from the event organizers like the Tour of Alberta and, you know, the cycling race that's happening this weekend or IT World Triathlon, and they say, you know, this city bends over backwards versus most other places they go. So that's good. We, we have a couple challenges. Um, the one is, um, you know, you take something like the analogy bloom, you know, at Horlack Park this weekend that put in question a successful ITU World Triathlon. You can't get around those things. You know, those are going to happen anywhere. So that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is what we don't have is a permanent event site. And a permanent event site is somewhere where you have asphalt and you have grass and you've got stadium and you've got, you know, concert space and all those things that allow you to just put in an event. It operates for a week like Cavalia or uh, it could be a uh, indie car race, or it could be whatever you know, whatever you happen to do. We don't have that permanent event site, so we're always running around in this city trying to figure out: Do we do it at Horlack Park? Do we do it at uh, the River Valley? Do we do it Northlands? Where do we where do we put it? Now, when we, I think that when we had Cavalia, and when we had the Indy, it was at the airport lands. The, well, the yeah, downtown the, airport. He was at the airport. Yeah. Uh, Cavalia, I think the first one, won, and then there was this other one, Odesso or something. I can't remember what the name was. That was out, like on a highway or on Yellowhead or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember, but and we don't know, want we're, people we're, to see that. We're part moving of that these things return. around a little bit, and it's really tough to, for the city to organize around those things. Where next thing you know, you're having a car show at the Edmonton Research Park. Hmm. Nice place, but we've never done a car show there, and so you know, there's a huge opportunity for us to look at you know the future of Northlands. Uh, Horlack Park and certainly the River Valley development for thinking about permanent event sites for how do we continue to do these things because Edmontonians love them but also that huge catchment area I talked about they love coming to Edmonton for those things so the better we get at putting these on the better we'll be as a city. Is there another city example of of what that catchment looks like? Um, You know there's a couple European ones like uh, Cologne and Hamburg um, Melbourne in Australia is okay. a good example where they they have a very big catchment area, but everybody descends on this one city that is a little bit remote compared to other places, and uh, and it's not necessarily the big international destination, but it's a very big regional catchment. Mm-hmm. So I I uh, brought up the um, the the beautiful nickname uh, the horrible nickname Deadminton earlier um, because. At at that time, that's that's about when you had. I'm having a drink now. Yes, take your drink. I'm going to draw this out. That's about when you came to Edmonton uh, for school, right? Late nineties ish. So I came back for. Uh, you was, went away for high school. Yeah, I got. And then you came back to Edmonton for university. That's correct. That's so correct. that that was about when you know that reputation rung. Yeah. And uh, so what was, what was downtown like for you when you came back for university? And compared to now, what's, what's that difference for you? So I, I came back in about 87, which a few people here weren't born then. But um, I, I'll fast forward even like about five or six more years. And it was interesting because it's almost a precursor of what I'm doing today. I got invited to a roundtable discussion at Government House. Uh, it was about, I don't know, somewhere around 98 or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the year was. Maybe it was 2000. I can't remember. But uh, Al Scott, Alan Scott was the president of EEDC at the time. Great guy, huge Edmontonian, just a lover of life and uh, a great leader. 
and the Minister of Economic Development was a guy named Mark Norris, so it might probably be around 2000. And they put together this group at Government House talking about downtown renaissance. That was the name. I didn't like the name. But I remember getting this, like, PowerPoint, early-stage PowerPoint kind of printout, and it was downtown renaissance, and they were talking about all the different parking lots. And renaissance was just another buzzword at the time. It was a replacement correct. for revitalization. Exactly. It meant the exact same thing. Exactly. But it was, uh, it was good. It was the first time and a whole bunch of Edmonton community leaders came together and they were all bitching about how all, we had all these surface parking lots that were dirt. The dirt would get kicked up and everything like that. So that was, let's say, 2000. It might have been 99. I can't remember. And you fast forward 10 years. And in 10 years, you have a significant amount of development downtown. And a lot of it was just early condo stuff and uh, a couple little you know, apartment blocks. And we had a new, uh, what do you call it, art gallery. You had, uh, you know, a couple of you know, iconic kind of buildings starting to come up in the downtown. And people said, ah, oh, you know what? Downtown still sucks. <laughs> but they did. Like, you know, it was like, so that was 2000, let's say, 8, 2009. Still sucks. Fast forward six more years. You've got three new office towers. You've got two new hotels. You've got a, uh, you know, two more access points to the River Valley. You've got two educational facilities. You've got, you know, it just, you know, 13 new condos going up, and there's still a whole bunch of people going, oh, downtown still sucks, right? There's, there's, but you have to realize how much movement and how much growth has happened over the last 20 years. It's been a monumental change to downtown. But what we have in the ground today and the projects that have been approved, and the, the shovels that are in the ground, I can promise you, Omar, you are not going to recognize your downtown eight years from now. It is, again, going to be a monumental shift of just people's mindset as to what this downtown looked like. And you're going to see more hotels, and you're going to see more office towers, you're going to see more condo places, even though we go through a little lull here over the next three yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, all, that's all happened in the days of $140 a barrel um, of oil, but now it is thirty-eight dollars a barrel. Forty-two, thirty-eight today. All right, forty-two, thirty-eight. You, you, <laughs> I bet you have an app that every single morning it tells you the price of the barrel of oil. Do you? Do I you have that app? I certainly do. I bet you do. And I wake up. <laughs> the okay, and the news came today. Surprising, absolutely nobody who hasn't been in a coma for the last nine months that we're in a recession in Canada, in Alberta. Um, surely that's got to take a lot of the glow off Oil City. I mean, what's going to happen with all these luxury development coming soon signs? Has that has this started to slow down downtown in in any respect that you've noticed? You know, it's interesting the the. The AAA class building that's being built now, so I'll call that AAA class, you know, the new stuff coming on. What's an example of that? Uh, so the uh, Kelly Ramsey building or the new Stantec Tower or the city's, you know, towers, those, those are actually quite nicely leased up. They're doing a great job in terms of the leasing. However, similar to 1982 when Commerce Place came on, or yeah, Commerce Place, that's not necessarily enabled by net new demand. So what we've done is we've vacated a lot of B and C-class office place, space here. So we have a huge incentive right now. And a lot of that B and C-class, you know, the prices will start probably coming down. They get quite competitive. So hopefully people out in the, you know, companies out in the suburbs, places like that, start to relocate downtown because it's going to be certainly at a cost incentive in order to come in the downtown core. So we're going to, you know, 
I don't expect a lot of new cranes going in the ground here over the next three years, to tell you the truth. I think we're going to go through a real lull, and uh, I think what we have is going to keep us growing and, and keep things quite prosperous here over the next three years. So we're going to go through a little lull, and as we backfill that B and C class space and new capital expenditures are putting those buildings, fixing them up, uh, and making them competitive again, and so it will probably be about eight more years before we start seeing this next wave of boom again. And the next wave of boom will come. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is at the end of the day, you know, what we have the world still wants, which is a lot of energy product, a lot of agricultural product, a lot of forestry, a lot of education, a lot of healthcare, quality of life. And that will continue to drive population growth here over the long period of time. And we're a hardworking town, and people want to be located here. It's created a lot of anxiety, for sure. When you talk to downtown businesses, small and large, the taco shop owner to the corporate CEO, um, what are their concerns about the present and future? What do they What do they tell you is keeping them up at night? Is this economically or yeah, business wise? Yeah, I mean, as as uh, the CEO of the EEDC, surely you talk to business owners. Surely you talk to the business community in downtown. What are they telling you? Are their concerns? So, first and foremost, I would suggest uh, there's a great deal of concern around uncertainty and public policy right now. And that's not just provincially, because we're missing a budget and we're missing a lot of policy directions coming out of the province right now. And that will get rectified by the end of October, early November. But we also are, you know, we're moving into... The end of October. Why? What is happening in October that would possibly rectify that? Let's follow along with the next piece of uncertainty, which is we have a federal election in October. And so there's, we just have this massively uncertain policy environment right now, which has a lot of CEOs sitting on the sidelines trying to determine... You know, do I do I keep my staff? Do I let my staff go? Because I don't know if we're going to build 50 schools, 100 schools, 150 schools next year. And without that kind of, uh, you know, direction that comes from a budget and th- comes from procurement policy out of governments, you know, people have to make decisions today. So that's the number one thing that's on, you know, CEOs' minds is that uncertainty. Uh, the second, if I moved it to downtown, it would be around, uh, you know, some of the transient community and a growing concern around safety in the downtown. And that really is located in about four or five areas that uh, a lot of, you know, questionable behavior starts to occur, and that's everything from drug deals to, you know, small street crimes to things like that. that you know, are a lot current. of that's been happening for for a long time, over a decade. Yeah. Is it just a matter but, of the fact that downtown's revitalizing now? That No, no actually, uh, so when you look at, this economic thing that Edmonton's going through, it's also happening in Fort McMurray and Grand Prairie and Fort St. John. And as people become unemployed in those places, they decant out of those cities and they come into Edmonton. We're the catchment area for a lot of people that are going through hardship right now because they come and that's where the social, we have the social services here. We have some of the support mechanisms and people can't find those on day one. So you create these pockets that are starting to become bigger pockets in the downtown right now. So it's a concern. It's, um, it's, a, it's not something that we all like to talk about, but I'll tell you, we have to talk about it because it prevents quality of life, safety, security in our downtown. And it's something that we need to escalate up as a, a real issue affecting the city right now. So that would be the second thing. Uh, do you want a third? Sure, let's take it. So uh, probably a third thing that the businesses are, are worried about right now is, uh, is still our cost structure. So as we increase taxes, we increase minimum wage, we increase 
you know, uh, a lot of costs associated with doing businesses were not, there isn't downward pressure on wages right now. So what you have is you have a typical business owner that's not making enough money or as much money as they did last year, this year, not just because of economic conditions, but just the hard cost of doing business. So the opportunity of them to open up a second location or a third location, they're just taking off the map right now. And as, you know, the next, I'd say about three years, it's going to take for us to kind of weed through this before we understand what the cost structures are in this province and how do I operate my business profitably then you're going to see a lot of money sitting on the sidelines before it gets reinvested back in the community. So the faster we can get to security around some of those you know, policy issues, things like that, the faster we can get onto a growth environment here, even though the price of oil is quite low. I mean, some people would probably say that that is favorable toward business interests more than, you know, than, than social interests. But you need to make money to spend money, Omar. So the business interest has to be a paramount concern all the time. Without a growth environment in the business, there is no money to spend on other things. What I hear from uh, what I what I one of the concerns I hear from when I speak to especially the smaller downtown businesses, usually in retail, usually in hospitality, is that the rapid arrival of a new downtown district that being the ice district will will siphon business from jasper avenue and from these parts of downtown that are just kind of turning in the last decade is that something that you ever hear you know we i so, uh, you know it's interesting i i look at the geographic um focus so if you think of like gravity what's the center of gravity in downtown and i think you know, back in 1940 or whatever, it was probably Jasper 101, and in uh, 1980, it was probably still Jasper 101. We started to move that a little bit, a little bit northbound uh, over the last while, and I became quite concerned a year ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, when we started talking about the uh, Galleria project and a couple others that really pushed things north, that that geographic center starts to move quite... Uh, unnaturally north where it's not a natural progression there's a mega project that pulls it and and there's no main street there either yeah it it can't be built out as quickly as a project can it it has to happen over time so you end up moving that artificially uh that geographic center so the movement right now moving a little bit from jasper avenue towards that ice district uh, I think is is fine because it kind of rides that 104th, 103rd Street uh, mechanism that we have in place. Uh, it allow for Jasper Avenue rents to uh, uh, not be lowered, but certainly opportunities for some creativity and some repurposing of some really some older buildings in Jasper Avenue and allows people to rethink and get creative around what we could do there. Uh, you're going to get shared spaces. You're going to get lots of uh, creative uses, pop-up retail, all those things. I think what's really going to be interesting is when we start to activate the stuff between the towers, so the back alleys, you know, with pop-ups and, um, you know, um, could be pop-up cafes or pop-up bars, things like that, that can really activate the spaces between, let's say, 104th Street and 105th Street or 104th Street and 103rd Street. We've never, we've never themed 103rd Street. We've never themed 105th Street. These are huge opportunities for us to start to link the ice district with Jasper Avenue if we do it smartly. Yeah, I mean, that, that would, that's one of the things that, um, that is very, and not necessarily in a good way, unique about 
Edmonton's downtown is it's very linear. It's one straight line, Jasper Avenue, and you just follow that. And when you get off of it, things start to change pretty quickly. Whereas if you go to other cities downtowns, it's a little bit more of a grid, right? It's a little bit more locked into these interspersing streets. So I think it could maybe in the end actually be be a, a, a very positive thing to bring some of that flow northward in, in those those uh, in between streets. Um, I, I have to ask, because it is, um, I don't know how long we'll be talking about the ICE district as the ICE district name and the, the, the different districts that are now emerging around uh, downtown, but it seems to be pretty unique to downtown. Um, so we have ICE district, district, we have the brewery district, we have the arts district, Kelly Ramsey's playing with the financial district, uh, Norquest is lobbying uh, the name of the education district. Um, does it help does it make any impact at all does it does it potentially isolate these corners as business clusters um could it at all be a a, a hindrance if we stop talking about the strengths of downtown as a whole and start to divvy it up in these little districts is that even something to care about yeah i think it's temporary uh a lot of it is based on the need to differentiate and market yourself for, for you know investors coming in, you know for the Cates Group to go out and be mar- or WAM to go out and be marketing the ICE District as you know this area that is all about entertainment and all that, that that captures a potential investor's mind in terms of oh I want to be there this is what I want to do, and I'd say the financial district did the exact same thing. What I like about it is is we're not government district and government district and government district anymore we actually have some differentiation of what we want to do downtown so I, i'm all supportive of you know short-term need but really if you look at the geographic space we're dealing with about 22 square city blocks eventually it's just downtown it's all one it's, it's just, the downtown and, district and, and, and a lot of these districts overlap with each if, other and if we program it properly it's just downtown and and people will start to explore between districts. Right now, you drive to a building. You park downstairs. You get up, you do your business, or you go to a restaurant, and you get in your car and you go home. What we want to do is we want people to be coming. They explore one district. They walk, and they're, they're curious. What's around the next corner? What's down this alley? What's over here? You know, let's stop at this po- you know, coffee shop or over this for this drink or whatever it happens to be. And then next thing you know, we're in the music district. Do we have a music district? Do we have a music district? We need a music district. All right, let's right? build a music district. So, Actually, we just need we need music generally. Yeah, that would be nice, court, actually. Right? So, uh, you know, that's that's where this is going. So, I wouldn't get too concerned about being in the current state, where where it's all about differentiation and just you know attention. But eventually, we're just going to be one big downtown, and it'll be a lot of fun. So, before we go to uh, the Q and A um, and the, the audience questions, um, I wanted to ask you this because I know your job, like mine, uh, partly asks for you to be encouraging, to be a, a booster of downtown Edmonton, and and you yourself have said optimism is a key virtue of living here, and I agree with that. Um, but I also know you're not shy to say things that piss people off. Um, if the blog about the NDP's reluctance to table a budget, uh, from which I pulled that very quote, is any evidence. So let's take our booster hats off a moment. And, um, <laughs> and uh, each of us share one thing that if we could change it tomorrow about downtown, whoo, swoop, magic wand, it's changed. Uh, we could. And I'll go first. Uh, I would I would love it if uh, City Center Mall, uh, instead of that blank facade that you see when you walk around it, all those closed doors, if they would just 
opened those doors and had some uh, some frontage retail spaces that you could walk into those stores right off the sidewalk. I think it's such a, a small but make a huge significant change to the to the walkability and overall design and feel of downtown. Yeah, I like that one. I actually when you asked me the question, I was pausing and kind of thinking through different things. And, and as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, it's probably the biggest, one of the most big, biggest visible things we could do is, uh, is take a good look at that particular area, if I was to say it politely. Um, if I had to answer, though, the question, which I guess I do because I'm on stage and I have a mic. Yeah, uh, you're forced is, to. You're legally obliged. You know, we, we carve up our downtown we, you know, we, and it's all these BRZs, these business revitalization zones or districts or whatever they're called. And one is against the other. And then you have, you know, you've got the all over one, you've got downtown, you've got all these things. Really, it's, you know, we take probably from about 97th through to 124th Street and from the river, meaning like the river river, all the way to, let's say, just 105th for the time being, or maybe 107th at the time being. And we could say that's downtown. Because people move and they interact and they, you know, they live places, they work places and all that. And as opposed to, you know, just this eight city block downtown or all over whatever it happens to be, I'd love to see a little bit of more of an amorphous look to our downtown because then we would talk about it differently in the, you know, the real living areas and play areas and work areas and all those types of things would, would start to merge. But one of the things is on the south boundary, this thing called the river, which We've always said downtown starts above the riverbank, and the river is down here, and we can't touch it. Um, you know, it's sometime in my life, and I'm hoping to live a little longer than I have, is we need to find access points into the river and activate it, not in one big commercial strip, but you have these opportunities for these nodes to do something uniquely Edmonton that allows us to interact with our river valley, allow people to, uh, you know, 10 times more to be exploring down there and really appreciate it, and to do it in a respectful nature and conservational, but at the same time as some commercial environment that allows for uh, people to play and have fun and interact with it. And I, that I completely agree with you. And when I do, the, it, it upsets a lot of people. Why do you think it, people are, are so sensitive about development in the River Valley, why it is so sacred? Because that seems to be pretty uniquely Edmonton. Most other cities that have that kind of a natural and urban resource, they they do build things there. Yeah. You know, I, I, we get caught in our, the way we think about things. And once, you know, a mind is stretched in a new dimension, it can't really retake it its original form. And once, you know, people, more and more people, you know, see how other cities have activated the River Valley and they realize that it can be done really respectfully. There are some examples where it's not done respectfully. Please don't. Please say San Antonio as an example of. That was more of a canal system, wasn't it? Yeah, not okay. the River Valley. But, <laughs> it's um, the one that people like to cite. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't think it's an appropriate example. You know, near Dwight. Um, but if, you can, if we can do some nodes that allow people to move between nodes... Um, snowshoe between nodes and cross-country ski and rollerblade and run and bike and all those things between nodes, but occasionally you have this opportunity for people to sit down and, you know, uh, you know, buy a coffee or have a dinner or whatever it happens to be and hear some music and just kind of enjoy things. That type of approach to our river valley would, 
you know, just allow more and more people to interact with it. It would allow downtown to interact with it and allow us to, you know, do things after hours, do things on weekends, things like that, that encourage more festivals and events and all those things that move people throughout the city. So, you know, that when it comes down to the one thing I still want to crack, and it's not my responsibility, but, you know, in my lifetime, I'd like to see our River Valley uh, done in a way that is aesthetically pleasing to the eye and to you know the experience but at the same time is allow people to reach into their pockets and buy a coffee and and have some fun brad thank you and thank you all for coming thank you yellowhead brewery for hosting yeah we can we can do one of those absolutely you guys put a lot of work into this and thank you again brad for the conversation stick around let's keep this conversation going good night